1: Welcome to True Crime Garage, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that has more introductions than Apollo Creed, ladies and gentlemen, the captain.
2: That's right. They call me the Count Amani Fisto. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend.
1: Today, we are very happy to be featuring Star Chaser White by our friends over at Highland Brewing in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. Star Chaser White, bright citrus spice is brewed with coriander from Spice Walla, grapefruit peel, and ginger. It's nice to feature a wheat beer every now and again. Garage grade, we have four and a half bottle caps out of five and let's give some praise and cheers to our friends that helped us out with this week's beer fund first up a big cheers to madeline in marietta georgia and a big shout to craig in morgan hill california
2: here's a long distance cheers to bettina and Denmark and a big we like your jib to uh, Nicole in Warman Canada
1: next up captain we have a cheers to Candy in Statham Georgia we also have a shout out to Emily Thurston in Midland Canada and last but certainly not least we have April in Northern California everyone we just mentioned they helped us out with this week's beer fund and for that we have a big fridge full of beer and a lot of thank you to all of you guys
2: and girls out there listening. Yep, 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 yep. BWWRUN, beer run for everything. True crime, check out truecrimegarage.com. There you can sign up, you can subscribe to our amazing show called Off the Record. You could also see a list of our recommended reading. You can also sign up on the mailing list. So many things to do. So check out truecrimegarage.com. And Colonel, that is enough of the business.
1: All right, everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. This week, we find ourselves once again in the great state of Kentucky. Scottsville, Kentucky, to be more precise. Where we only have a little over 4,000 people, per the most recent census. Scottsville is part of the Charlottesville metropolitan area, which of course is much larger and more populous. We have covered several Kentucky cases, In fact, our Man With No Hands episode number 534 was one of our most downloaded shows of last year, 2021. Now, I would say it's great to be back in Kentucky. But if we're talking about your state and your city, well then unfortunately, that means that something bad has happened. Something evil either made its way to your town or something evil came out of it. And in today's true crime story, evil struck in Allen County, Kentucky on Saturday, November 14th, 2015. For one Kentucky family, this would mean that their lives would forever be changed. For them, sadly, their family would never be the same. But this was also a crime so horrific that it forever changed an entire community. For the good people of Allen County, this was the end of innocence. One headline simply read, safe feeling gone. This is True Crime Garage. Saturday, November 14th. 2015. The Doolin family are at the Allen County Scottsville High School football stadium. Their oldest son, 11-year-old Alec Doolin, will be playing in the football game. This is the end of the season all-star youth football game. His younger sister, 7-year-old Gabriella, known to family and friends as Gabby, is there as well. Gabby is a cheerleader and this afternoon is just two weeks shy of her eighth birthday. Amy and Brian Dooling are Alec and Gabby's mother and father. They are, of course, in attendance as well. They're there to support and cheer for Alec and Gabby. Now, the Doolins have a younger son as well. His name is Jake. He's just a few years younger than Gabby, and I'm not quite sure if he was present at the game that day or if the Doolings had a babysitter. Gabby and some friends, while at the game, go up to Gabby's mother, Amy, asking if they could go over to one of the concession stands and play over near the stands and the restrooms. And the Dolan said, yes, go ahead. This is a place that they've gone to many times. They've experienced this same day for the entire football season time and time again and seen the same people present at the stadium as well. After just a short while, Gabby's two little friends, well, they come back and they're asking the Doolins about Gabby. Where is Gabby? They explained to the Doolins that they were playing a game and after a while they could not find their friend. Well, Amy and Alex sprung into action, walking through the crowd, looking for their daughter, looking for little Gabby and asking others if they had seen the little blonde cheerleader. As the minutes ticked by and as their concerns were mounting, the Dolans asked others to assist in the search. Pretty soon, Captain, nearly everyone in attendance was searching for this little girl. They searched the stadium, the restrooms, and the surrounding areas.
2: This is a pretty common thing, though, at youth sporting events. Mm -hmm. One of the kids get lost and You can't find them and you find out that they're at the concession stand or they were in the restroom, but it's a growing concern. So at halftime, they're going to make an announcement looking for missing Gabby.
1: Yeah. They have the announcer just announced to the entire crowd. Hey, little girl, Gabby Doolin, this announcement is for you. It's now time for you to stop what you're doing and return to your parents. Unfortunately, Again, the minutes start ticking by and concerns continue to grow and still no Gabby even after the announcement. By this time we are in the 7 o'clock hour and it's Kentucky in November so it's dark out by this point. In fact, it would have started to get dark in the 6 o'clock hour. At 7:40 p.m., the Dolan's notified and requested the assistance of the local police. Their daughter is missing, and they need help to locate her.
2: And sometimes at these events, they have local law enforcement to act as security guards as well. Do you know if there was any law enforcement already on hand?
1: From my understanding, there was no law enforcement that was present. Often, as you said, Captain, they are signed up to work extra duty or special duty, depending on what they call it in that jurisdiction. And that's very common at these high school football games, and they are at the high school football stadium. However, this is a youth game, and I believe that it started a little earlier in the day than a typical high school football game would start. Right. And from my understanding, the local law enforcement were asked, hey, are we going to, isn't there usually law enforcement at these high school football games? And they they replied, yes. Yes at the high school games, but not at these youth games. We've never been asked to uh, attend or secure one of those events.
2: Right. So no law enforcement on site initially, but they're going to join Gabby's parents in the search, but there's also other parents trying to help them find their child.
1: Right. And as we pointed out in the trailer for today's show, this is an area where we only have a a little over 4,000 people, under 5,000 people in the population. I cannot imagine that law enforcement, that there wasn't a patrol car nearby. So when they call this in at 7.40 p.m., it won't take law enforcement long to be on the scene. And keep in mind what's going on at this football game right now. We still have the kids playing in this all-star football game, but now we have a large chunk of the parents in attendance that are actively looking for the same little girl, for Gabby Dolan. Right. So when police arrive on the scene, this will give the already somewhat large search some authority and organization. So we have a school, a stadium, and any of the little buildings associated with the stadium. There's a baseball diamond, and behind the football and baseball playing areas, we have a heavily wooded area that contains a creek, which flows into a small pond. All of these areas, of course, were priority for this search. Now, shockingly and sadly, just 25 minutes after notifying the police, they found Gabby's lifeless body floating in that pond, in the wooded area behind the football stadium. At 8.05 p.m. on Saturday, November 14th, 2015, the local policing agency notified the Kentucky State Police that they had recovered the body of seven-year-old Gabby Dolan. She was the victim of a homicide and a kidnapping. She was found dead just about 400 feet from the Allen County Scottsville High School football stadium.
2: Now, at this point, they don't know the cause of death, but there had to be something that directed law enforcement to spring into action and view this as a homicide.
1: I think that's exactly right there, Captain, because we have a little girl that's found deceased in a body of water, there must have been something that they recognized, something that they spotted to change this into an immediate investigation into looking into what has happened here in this situation, what happened to this little girl. Now, this next move was a smart one and a quick one. The police quickly corralled all of the people that were still at the stadium. And again, by this point, it's dark out the temperature is starting to drop. So they take everyone into the school. I believe they took them into one of the larger rooms in the school. So the gymnasium or the cafeteria. Right. So once there, they start asking everyone about that night. What did they see? What did they hear? Did anyone see Gabby? Did anyone see anyone with her if they saw her? Particularly adults or older kids with her.
2: Well, and Gabby stuck out because she had this bright, almost white hair.
1: And, of course, they want to know, did anybody see anything that they thought was unusual about that evening?
2: Well, also, it's a small town, so let's do the old pervert roundup.
1: Well, and this is, I mean, this is about as sad as it gets right here. Her older brother, Alec, was still playing in the football game while they're searching for... Gabby and when she's found he's I don't know if this is at the end of the game roughly at the time that she was found but he is basically coming off the field and being told that his little sister was found dead during the course of the game that he was just playing in so they take the family and they put the family in one of the locker rooms kind of keeping them separate from everybody else and they're asking them of course all of the same questions that they're asking their large group of people. Right. Now, several people said that they had witnessed Gabby and the other kids playing some kind of game. Maybe it was hide and seek near the concessions and the restrooms. Several other people said that they noticed a tall white man hanging around the restroom area. And some said that the man caught their attention because he was acting oddly. Some even said that he was acting shady. Now they didn't give, specifics on what this shady activity would be or how he was acting in the reports but this is information that was relayed to the people in attendance at this football game to law enforcement shortly after finding the body of this little girl the thing is here though captain we have multiple people that are telling the police the same thing right this isn't just one person that says hey I saw some guy and I thought he was a weirdo. You should check into him. No, this is multiple people saying that this guy, for some reason, caught their attention. The info I found, Captain, didn't offer up a better description of how the man was behaving or what exactly it was that he was doing that would indicate that the man was acting shady, but they did offer up a better description of the guy. So this guy is a tall Caucasian man with a beard. He is balding and was wearing a brown jacket. Now once this information is out to the crowd so now once this information is out to the crowd captain now we start having other people saying well I spotted a man matching this description. These are people that were actively searching for Gabby and right. actively searching for Gabby once law enforcement had arrived and the odd thing here is that the people that were searching for Gabby says We saw this man later in the night after seeing him near the restrooms or these other people saw him near the restrooms. The searchers are saying now the odd thing about him was that it looked like while everybody else was looking for Gabby, he appears to be leaving the area.
2: Right. Instead of joining in on the search. I wish we lived in a world where we see this creep by the restrooms, Porter Johns, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Those things stink. Hey, buddy, stop sitting around smelling the fumes. Get out of here. Scram, weirdo.
1: Well, all of our smart listeners probably already know where this investigation just might go, right? Mm -hmm. Because here we have a small rural community and a large gathering. Well, if enough people in a small community see the same guy or description of the guy, then we probably are going to have someone or someones that know the man's name or can suggest to police
2: or even ID
1: someone that's matching this description.
2: Well, this also makes it harder because all these kids are coming from different teams. So you'd think that some of their other teammates that maybe didn't make the all-star team would would have wanted to show up to support their other teammates. So It probably is a little bit of a larger crowd than normally this youth football game. Yeah, the reports I found didn't give a clear
1: indication on the number of people in attendance that night, but I'm with you. I'm curious to know that as well. Well, what we suspect might happen is exactly what happens here. The Kentucky State Police, they end up that same night, that same very night, at the home of a Scottsdale resident. This is based off of information that they collect from from eyewitnesses, ear witnesses at the football game. This leads them to this man and to his home. This is the home of 38-year-old Timothy Madden. He lives there with his wife and five children. Now the police want to speak with him because they believe he could be the man that the other football game attendees were were discussing with the police
2: after the game. Yeah, so the first question, if I'm law enforcement, is just what are you doing at the game? Why were you there?
1: So this guy, Timothy, I guess most people in town who knew him call him Timmy. He's very cooperative with the police, from what I could find. He tells them that, of course, people saw him at the game that evening because he was there. He doesn't deny being there. Right. He says that he even looked for the girl briefly and then went home. And he goes on to tell police that he knows the Doolins. He went to high school with Brian, with the father of Gabby. And they even ran around together at one point. He says that they were friends at one time, but never really close. Tim says that he was there with the reports on this here vary, Captain, and it's a little it's a little confusing to me as to exactly what went down. But there are some reports that say that he was there with one of his children. There are other reports that say that he was there with two of his children. Remember, he has five kids. And some of the reports state that his daughter was on the same cheer squad as little Gabby. What a fucking creep. So Tim answers all of their questions and agrees to do whatever he can to assist them. From my understanding, Captain, this is all taking place about 2 a.m. So early Sunday morning, Gabby is killed Saturday evening, and we can see how quickly this information that they generated by interviewing all these witnesses has led them to this guy. Now he's being cooperative. He's willing to assist them in their case and offer up any information he can. So he answers all their questions. He hands over his clothing that he was wearing when he went to the game that night. He told police that after the game, he came home, he took a bath, and now he was talking to them. That's that's his night. Went to the game, came home, took a bath. Now I'm talking to you guys. Tim agrees to do a DNA swab. Now, police found some items that are going to be very problematic for Tim. First, on his clothing that he gives to the police, they find what appears to be blood. One spot is on one of his pant legs. The other spot is on his belt buckle. Now, another item that they locate is a thread or a clothing fiber. So they said that the police said that they found this in the bathtub where Tim took his bath after the game. And they say that this item, this thread or this fiber was consistent with one of the garments or some of the clothing that Gabby Dolan was wearing at the game that night.
2: So we have a guy that was sticking out to other parents and other people at the football stadium. We're able now to identify that guy. Law enforcement is talking to that guy, and then as they're talking to him, they're they're now collecting evidence, and we're only a few hours after the murder.
1: Yeah, police already have their first really good lead that same night that Gabby was killed. Now, that might seem like a rarity because of the types of cases that we cover here in the garage. Many of them, in fact, are cold cases, but outside of the garage in the cases that we have covered— Catching a great lead quickly
2: isn't so uncommon. A lot of the big leads or, heck, some of these cases are even solved within 48 hours of the crime taking place.
1: That's right. You might not have the case solved. You might not have somebody uh, locked up and, and sentenced, of course, or even a court date scheduled. But you got somebody in handcuffs behind bars relatively quickly in a lot of these situations. Now, as everyone can imagine the entire community was just devastated by this senseless and violent act. Who would do such a horrible thing? And could it have been one of their own that committed this terrible act? The community tried their very best to support Gabby's family. A vigil was held the very next day for Gabby and her family. An autopsy was performed by the coroner for the Kentucky state police It was determined that Gabby was strangled to death and drowned. She was strangled while her head was underwater. Within just a few days, the Kentucky State Police announced that they had made an arrest. Police announced to the public that they had arrested 38-year-old Scottsville resident and father of five, Timothy Madden. The state will be seeking an indictment of four charges. Kidnapping, rape, sodomy, and murder in the first degree.
2: Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you one in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math, and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track, or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit ixl.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out ixl.com garage today.
1: The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch. To Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless. With Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get 3 months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three month unlimited wireless plan for just fifteen bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at MintMobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors no prep, no mess meals. to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active.
2: All right, we are back. Cheers, everybody. Cheers
1: to you, Captain. Now, while the community was coming to the aid of the Doolin family, There were also people in the community sticking up for Timothy Madden as well. These were family and friends that said repeatedly that Tim could not have done this and that the police must have the wrong guy. Briefly, Tim is confronted by reporters. This is when he is arrested and being walked to the squad car. And he's asked if he has anything to say to the Doolins. He says, I'm sorry for their loss, but I'm innocent. Later, he would do a sit-down interview with a local reporter. This is a jailhouse interview with a local reporter. During this interview, Timothy once again proclaims his innocence. And as for the evidence against him, he says that it wasn't really anything, or at least they, meaning the police, have not shown him anything, any evidence that they have against him. Yeah. Now, we know that Gabby was kidnapped and killed on Saturday night. Timothy Madden was arrested the next Friday morning at 11 that morning. Police had interviewed Timothy several times during that time period. And Tim's father-in-law was one of the people, one of several people, coming to Tim's defense. Tim's father-in-law even goes on public record, speaking with reporters at length, saying that Tim and his daughter have been married for 10 years. And Tim has never shown any signs of violence. He's never even attempted to slap his daughter or his daughter's never had any bruises. And he's a loving father. He's got children the same age as the Doolins. What
2: about abuse towards the children?
1: Well, according to the father-in-law, Tim has never shown any signs of violence at all. Mm -hmm. A little background on Tim. From my understanding, he's got some very minor infractions traffic violations and I believe a theft charge and maybe a theft conviction, but his record doesn't show anything of violence or any type of pedophile type behavior, right? His father-in-law would continue with this lengthy interview with the, with the reporters. And he's even saying, you know, ask anybody on this street and they're going to tell you that Tim's a good guy. His father-in-law says Tim cooperated by handing over his clothing. He cooperated with several lengthy interviews. He took a polygraph test and he even, he even gave them a DNA swab. Timothy in a jailhouse interview maintained his innocence. As we said, he says that he has cooperated in every possible way, but when the police, when they find their right guy, that Tim would be suing. One thing that is additional information from this jailhouse interview is Tim says he saw little Gabby the night that she was taken. Right, he says he saw her playing with two other girls. So this is, you know, accurate with what we know was going on that night, according to the Doolin parents.
2: Well, a high school football stadium and in, in that surrounding area is is not that large, so I I would assume that the majority of the people watching that game that night saw her.
1: Yeah. He says that he saw Gabby with two other girls and that they ran from out underneath of the bleachers. He said, then not too long after that, someone came along asking him if he had seen the little girl. And he said, yes. And pointed in a direction saying they went that way. When asked about the real killer, he said that the real killer is still out there and he's a bad individual. He's crazy. Tim says, I'm innocent, and I don't know what evidence that they have against me. They've not shown me anything.
2: Well, if I found myself in this situation, I, I would be uh, praying that there was DNA left and, and go ahead and test my DNA If I'm if I'm innocent.
1: Exactly. That's exactly right there, Captain. Now, while he's locked up and awaiting his trial in this case, we do have a weird situation where a a man from West Virginia reaches out to the local authorities. This man tells them that his son is saying that he was approached by Timothy Madden. Now, again, this is in West Virginia, so it's a little bit ways away here, but this took place a couple months before Gabby was killed. And the son's story goes basically like this, that he and a friend, their ages were never given in any of these reports. He and a friend were at a Walmart, a local Walmart, and they were approached by a man in a van that they said were, they believed he was trying to lure them into the van. And the two of them, they hightailed it out of there. And they later reported this. This wasn't just being reported for the very first time. They told adults that night what happened and it was reported to their local authorities right now we have this man from west virginia calling the kentucky state police and saying hey the guy that you're showing on tv that's been arrested for this gabby dolan thing he matches the description my son is telling me that's the man that tried to get him in
2: his van weeks ago again i'm still a supporter of uh the ban the van movement
1: Of course, by this time, Captain, he's already been arrested. Timothy Madden's already been arrested. So they have a lot of his possessions in their evidence room. And one of his possessions that they have is his cell phone. So they want to see if they can get information off of his cell phone to put him in the area on the day and time of when this man in a van approach these two boys. What ends up happening here, though, is the cell phone that they have in their possession is a air quotes loaner phone just days before Gabby was killed. Timothy Madden got a loaner phone from a local repair place. He took his phone in to be repaired because it would not hold service. He was having trouble with this phone. And what the phone place told him was, Hey, we're going to have to send this off to somebody else to have the issue fixed to have the issue corrected and they'll send it back to us and in the meantime we're going to give you a loaner phone this loaner phone even had pictures that he took while he was at the the football game that night and that's because he was sending them to relatives again one or two of his children were present that night at the game the sad thing here though and where police hit a dead end with this other incident that took place in west virginia Is when they talked to the phone repair company, they explained to police that before we sent his phone off, we had to wipe the phone clean before sending it off. Now, we transferred what we could to this loaner phone, and of course, police have already looked at this loaner phone and learned that there's nothing that they can use on this loaner phone to put him in that location in West Virginia weeks before. So, they hit a dead end there. Now, this whole thing with Timothy Madden is very, very long and drawn out. What we have here, Captain, is a situation where we're going to fight over venue, where the trial will be held. We're going to fight over what evidence can be allowed into the trial itself. There was some question you know, we have Timothy Madden on record stating in that jailhouse interview, I've cooperated in every way that I could. I handed over my, my clothing. I did the DNA swab. I've taken a lie detector test. I've cooperated in every manner that they've asked me. But now later we have the Madden family saying, look, this search that the Kentucky State Police did on our house that night on, at 2 in the morning on Sunday a.m., this, they just barged into our house, 20 officers deep, and they were harassing me, and they were asking me questions. We weren't allowed to be present in the home while they searched the home. So now the Madden family is calling into question the search and whatever, whatever police gathered that they're going to use against him at this trial, whether it can be used or not because of the manner in which they, they obtained it. Right. Kentucky State Police is, have always maintained that he handed over the clothing and some of these items to us.
2: Well, like we said earlier, or like you said earlier, he was being really cooperative. So what, what a great thing to do. Let's, let me be cooperative. Let me uh, give you pieces of evidence, and then later I'll argue that I didn't give you those and that you, you took those.
1: Well, and what we learned during this process, once the back and forth starts, between the Timothy Madden camp and Kentucky state police and the state prosecutors. What we learned here is what led to this man's arrest was those blood spots. The blood spots were determined to be the blood of Gabby Dolan. This isn't just, Oh, this is blood. It could be animal blood or human blood. We don't know and then determined to be human blood. No, they determined that this blood belonged to the victim. So how the hell did it get on his belt buckle and on his pants? It seems highly unlikely that he would have that evidence on him. If he didn't commit the murder or have involvement in the murder, his defense, he says, well, I, I could have brushed up against a fence or brushed up against a trash can, or, you know, the blood could have got onto my pants in some other way. This whole trial stuff takes forever, Captain, forever. There's Again, they're trying to change the venue. They're questioning what evidence can be allowed in. We also have a situation where Timothy Madden is changing counsel. This whole process gets drawn out over 1,400 days. It's actually over 1,430 days wow. go by from the time that he is arrested until the time that we finally get this thing resolved. Because what ends up happening is we have the coroner who took a rape kit on our victim and found suspect DNA on the victim. And of course, when they ran those tests, they have evidence. They have scientific proof that he raped and killed this girl. It's his DNA. So not only do they have the victim's blood on the perpetrator's clothing. We also have his DNA on the victim. Got him. So pretty open and shut case. Should be. Well, what happens here is we end up in a plea agreement. So Timothy Madden is going to plead guilty to murder and kidnapping. And he is agreed to give an Alfred plea in the rape and sodomy charge. And, and, This is complete bizarro, but he says that he wants to do the Alfred plea because it's basically a a no contest. He's saying, I didn't do that, but I can't defend myself. He's saying that he's insisting on giving the Alfred plea for the rape and the sodomy charge because he didn't want his family to think any less of him, which I don't. (laughs) That's not possible, Timothy. (laughs) That's that would not be possible for anybody to think any less of you. The other bizarro thing in this situation here, Captain, is the Madden family, as well as some of the people in the community, up until he pled guilty, seemed to there was a good percentage of people that really thought that he might be innocent. And part of that was that they questioned the very quick turnaround in the blood evidence that was found. It only took three days to find the blood, send it off for testing, get the results back and confirm that it was their victim.
2: Well, so many people are messed up by the CSI syndrome. Hey, here's the blood sample. Take it down the hall and, and come back in about 10 minutes and tell me the results. This, it's the opposite. Oh, there's no way they were able to do it th- that
1: fast. Right. They must have planted evidence is what some people suspected. His son ended up in all kinds of trouble, too. Remember, he's got five kids. One of his sons ended up in all kinds of trouble because, again, this was about four years from the time that this little girl was killed till the time that his, the the case against Timothy Madden is adjudicated. That's a long period of time. And during that period of time, his son was sending off like written threats. Uh, this would be email and phone calls, I believe to the Kentucky state police where he's threatening them, claiming that they have got the wrong guy. Not only that, that they planted evidence against his father and he ends up getting in trouble himself for these threats. He gets charged for these threats that he's making. Now, th- what will end up happening is that we don't end up with a real trial in this case. And we have noticed, and I'm sure our listeners have, that the police kept a lot of this information close to the vest. They they kept a lot of holdback information in this case and still have. And because we didn't have an actual trial, a lot of those details didn't come out. And I do want to give a little kudos here as well while we're at it here, captain to uh, Chris Conti who did gangbusters work on covering this case. He's a reporter and I want to give him some major kudos because he tweeted, he was at the, the sentencing hearing and he said, look, I know there's a lot of people covering or, or following the, the Gabby Doolin case. And I've been covering it in the papers, and I know you're looking to me for information, but I'm not going to be tweeting out details about her rape and murder that I'm hearing in court today because they're just far too graphic, and it's nothing that anybody needs to read or hear if they're not present in the courtroom today. So good for him to do the right thing. You know, we have some situations where people – just want to sell some papers and get their name out there. And Chris Conti did did the opposite, did the right thing in this situation. At the sentencing hearing, though, one thing that was released from this, again, very few details because there's no actual trial, but the, the Doolans were able to give a victim impact statement and Gabby's mother, Amy, would be giving that victim impact statement. She's in the middle of telling the court, everyone in the room, the judge, the 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 plaintiff, the defendant, the prosecution, everybody in the court, he, she's telling them what Gabby was to her, who Gabby was, their daughter, and how they loved her from the minute that they knew that she was pregnant, and from the minute that that little girl was born, how the father, Brian Dolan was just, he was wrapped around her little finger mm-hmm. and how much this little girl meant, meant to them. And she didn't even get to see her eighth birthday. And during the course of this very powerful, very moving, very emotional impact statement by the grieving mother of the murder victim, Timothy Madden's attorney starts talking to Timothy Madden. Well, Brian Dolan had enough. He stood up. He pointed to the attorney and he said, look, this is the most disrespectful thing I have ever witnessed. We have waited four years for this moment. We have waited four years and you can't give my wife three minutes of your time so that the perpetrator, the murderer can hear the impact that this has had on our family. You're... You are talking to your client. And by the way, you're, you're the defense. I believe he was a public defender. So paid by the taxpayers. You got a whole room full of taxpayers.
2: Yeah. Paid to be a piece of shit.
1: Well, this erupts into, to infighting within the courtroom. And we have, uh, this is one thing that, that completely, I mean, this case is horrible and shocking, of course. But one thing that I cannot get over that, that, That just shocks the hell out of me is even during this sentencing hearing where this man has already said, look, I'm pleading guilty to murder and kidnapping. I kidnapped and murdered this little girl and I made a plea deal to take the death penalty off of the table. And I'm making sure that I get life without parole because I'm such a coward that I kill children and I can't face the consequences. We already know that to be the situation some of the idiots in the Madden family are still kind of sticking by this dude. Right. Where, when Brian Dolan gets up and starts yelling at his defender, his public defender, one of the, you know, we have the judge who's saying, you know, quiet down, Mr. Dolan, you know, order in the court. One of the idiots in the Madden family goes, lock him up, lock him up, lock up Brian Dolan. It's, it's aggravating. So they had to clear the courtroom and they took a recess and they came back and Amy Doolin was able to give her impact statement. And as said, Timothy Madden was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. I'm sure that there are people in the community and I'm sure that there may even be people in the Doolin family that wish that they would have got that death penalty. It's, it's bittersweet, of course, uh, your victory in court that day when he finally pled guilty. And finally admitted to what he did, but I think that it was the right outcome because now at least fortunately the Dolan's and the state of Kentucky don't have to face all these additional appeals. And during that appeal process, you also open up yourselves to him possibly finding a loophole or technicality that would end up changing his sentence or, or getting him a new trial.
2: But but hasn't he made statements in prison saying that he's innocent?
1: He's continued to
2: to say that he was innocent even after he pled guilty. I mean that's it's like I'm going to uh judge I'm going to plead guilty but I, I'm innocent of the crimes.
1: Yeah, he still says that uh, I don't know if he still says that to this day but but shortly after the sentence of life without the possibility of parole was handed down he was still proclaiming his innocence. So the Madden family wants to paint the picture that the Kentucky state police are, are terrible people and it's a terrible agency and that they, I guess they planted evidence or collected evidence illegally against this man from everything I've reviewed. I don't see any of that. I see a, I see a really good uh, state policing agency that in this situation did a really good job pulling together all of their good people, pulling together all of their resources and putting together a case really quickly against a horrible, horrible individual. Now, after Timothy Madden was convicted in this case, there were some, some really awesome web sleuthers, uh, shout out to the web sleuthing community there, right? That came forward and said, Hey, there's this unsolved abduction and murder of a little girl from 1996. And this is the abduction and murder of Morgan Violi. She, is, she was abducted in July of 96 in the Bowling Green, Kentucky area. And her body was recovered in October of 1996 in White House, Tennessee. Now, what these Web Sleuthers are pointing out, there was a witness to the abduction. So they have a composite sketch. And what these Web Sleuthers are saying is that Timothy Madden, you know, his his picture from 1996 doesn't look terribly unlike the composite sketch in this other case
2: matches the description.
1: Yeah. And if anybody wants to look up some more information on that case. Mike Van Dyke is the sheriff in Robertson County, Tennessee, and they have information on that case, Morgan Violi, on their website, which is RobertsonSheriff.com.
2: You're innocent until proven guilty. When evidence starts piling up against these individuals, I don't understand why they keep protecting them. And we see this in so many cases, and especially in cases where the victims are children. I mean, look at Delphi. The cops have been saying for five years that somebody knows something. And they need to come forward and tell law enforcement that. It's if you're not coming forward and telling law enforcement this evidence, then you're protecting a child murderer. A child rapist. What kind of person does that make you? I just don't understand it. I it doesn't it wouldn't matter if it was a close friend. It wouldn't matter if it was a family member. It wouldn't matter if it was my own father. If there was evidence out there that started pointing towards the fact that like I said, somebody close to me was guilty of such a heinous crime, I'm not protecting them at that point. I'm burning them on the cross myself. It's a very mad world.
1: Well, after the sentencing hearing, the only issued statement by the Doolin family was that that everybody remember Gabby. And one thing that I do think is great is that Kentucky law enforcement certainly has remembered Gabby Doolin. In fact, they put together what was later called Operation Gabby. And this is when members of the United States Secret Service, the United States Attorney, Russell Coleman, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, and the leadership of other Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force announced several arrests that they made during this operation, Gabby Doolin. They arrested seven seven men that were arrested and charged. And this is a, a focus on getting these these predators off of the streets.
2: Well, get them before they can get more victims. And I mean, this is uh, this is should be happening in all, all these cases. You know, put some research and to get like you said. Uh, you, they're basically setting up sting operations, you know, like catch a predator. This task force might have saved uh, many lives and many other victims.
1: Yeah. Most of these individuals were charged with juvenile enticement type of charges or child pornography charges, internet related charges. But one thing I want to point out here of the seven people that are listed in this article, there are. One, two, three, three of these seven individuals were in their mid to early 20s. So you wonder what kind of criminal they would have developed into later in their lives. If Timothy Madden committed his first horrible, heinous act at the age of 38 and never did anything prior, which I, I believe there's other things that he is, other crimes that he has committed. Right before this that maybe he just got away with or he and tried to entice some juveniles or maybe a failed kidnapping attempt, who knows. But in this situation we have several of these individuals again, mid twenties to early twenties. What kind of monster would they have turned into if they were just out on the streets allowing you know, being able to continue this horrific behavior and commit these crimes against children? Where would it go for these individuals and how many victims were saved? How many potential victims were saved?
2: I want to thank everybody so much for listening. Two things that you can do. One, subscribe off the record it's our bonus show on stitcher premium and two, leave us a five star review that's right five stars leave us six if you can as you guys know we need all the help we can get that's right we need your help
1: and if you didn't get enough true crime this week check out the other show like the captain says off the record you go there you listen to the show you get nasty and then you come back here next week and join us here in the garage until then Be good, be kind, and don't litter.